Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Before we begin today, I wanted to let you know you can now sign up for the next session of the Forward Mentor Program. This 10-week program connects Christian women in the workplace with mentors who share their beliefs, and mentor-mentee pairs are handpicked according to the mentee's goals and current hurdles they'd like help getting over. Programs that are similar to our mentor program cost between, I think, $800 and $1,300, uh, but the Forward Mentor Program starts at just $249, and mentors that have gone through our program routinely tell us that life-changing impact about the life-changing impact their time and with their mentee has provided. And in some cases, professionally, that impact can be measured as thousands of dollars of improved income as a result of their mentorship. So if that sounds like something that you would be interested in, um, you can go to our website to sign up for the upcoming session of the mentor program. You can visit our website, www.forwardwomen.org mentor, or you can click on mentor program at the top of our homepage. The deadline to sign up is Friday, September 6th. And if you're listening after this deadline has passed, you can actually still sign up for a future session. So be sure to go over there. Um, sign up, submit everything, and we are looking forward to seeing you. All right, so now on to today's episode. You'd have to be living under the biggest rock ever (laughs) to not know that today's society is complicated. There are issues swirling through all of our communities that are either brand new or reincarnated from battles we thought we were won. Women in the workplace are a group that are being impacted at an alarming rate and with issues that often make zero sense and cause undue stress, uncertainty, and ultimately they just brew feelings of resentment and overall disunity in the workplace, which in all honesty then bleeds outside the office and into daily lives as well. Today's guest is Joy Freeman. She is a thriving professional well on her way to creating a huge impact in her industry She is currently completing her MBA at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. She helps professionals realize their potential and has a knack for moving teams from the place where they are stuck to the place where they want to be. Her work launching brands and transforming culture spans industries, and she has worked with clients like the YMCA, Girl Scouts, McDonald's, and Burger King, you know, just a couple of little companies. She recently, she founded Remnant Strategy, which is a consultancy that works at the intersection of culture and business to counsel brands through the process of mapping the next and better chapter to their story. And Joy is particularly tuned into the tough topics, as we're calling them, uh, impacting women just like her in their workplaces every day, as you will learn. She is an advocate for the voices of vulnerable populations, and she loves mentoring young professionals as they enter into this crazy current world. (laughs) Joy, I am so ready to get into today's discussion and learn from you. Yes, so am I. Thank you. (laughs) Of course, of course. So let's, let's dive in. Let's just start. So you are a single woman of color in a corporate career. What does life look like for you at work and outside the office? Well, you know, I think it's, uh, that's such an interesting question because even, um, as you ask that, uh, there, there are kind of three different definitions in there. There's, mm-hmm. uh, single, there's being a woman and then a person of color. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people talk about this idea of intersectionality and it's been a, um, a word that has popped up a lot in culture. Um, and I really think that, uh, you know, the concept of, of those three, um, hats that I wear, they show up in different ways. So I would say I would take um, maybe more of the single hat off when I'm thinking about um, my 
my world and how do I navigate life as a professional? I mean, there are times where it shows up, for example, um, coworkers who have kids um, having expectations that, you know, I can take on a work trip um, that they can't just because mm-hmm. I don't have the same obligations. Um, and, and so I've had to learn how to maintain boundaries that, you know, my life uh, is my life. And um, while I think there's value in, uh, in being a team player, um, I'm, I cannot rearrange my life um, just because I, um, I don't have the same types of commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the two that probably show up the most in my professional um, career or in the professional world for me is being a woman um, and, a, and a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those are the hats that probably bring um, at times the greatest challenges, but also have those are the hats that have really helped me grow um, in my identity and, and really um, be the strong professional and the strong woman that I am. And so you know, when I think about some of those challenges, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the, um, the lean-in report um, that's published about re- women in the workplace, um, but it, it was interesting this year, and um, I'm pretty sure it's McKinsey, but if I've misquoted that, then I apologize to the consulting <laughs> firm that actually did it. But, um, you know, that report typically highlights some of the challenges that women face in the workplace. And this year, um, in the 2018 report was the first time that they really took a deep dive into the experiences of women in color of color. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for me, it was, it was, um, it was 20 years of validation, mm-hmm. um, uh, after, you know, being in my career, um, for as long as I have that, uh, I am not crazy. Um, what the report talked about is that women of color typically, um, what were well, one, it's a, it's a fact that we, um, typically make, um, less than um, not only white men, but um, uh, white women. Um, but the report also highlighted how uh, we typically have less access to senior leadership, um, fewer opportunities for promotions, uh, fewer opportunities to really um, use our voice and expertise, all while um, becoming uh, the most educated uh, group um, within the U.S. And so it just um, it, it really, for me, highlights the, the particular challenges um, that women of color, um, people of color, but particularly women of color, um, experience in the workplace. And is that something that you've experienced? Like, do you find that to be true, what they found? Yeah, you know, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, um, it comes across, again, in different ways. Um, yeah. Younger in my career, um, I think it... it was maybe more difficult to pinpoint, but it was feelings of um, maybe not uh, being passed over for opportunities. Or mm-hmm. uh, I remember working at an advertising agency um, and uh, being asked to maybe do voiceover um, rough tracks uh, for um, for certain clients. Um, and I remember one in, in one uh, particular session being asked if I could sound more black uh, as, and and, you know, what, what, what do you do and what do you say when you are um, a a young uh, professional um, in, in your space, how do you Mm. push back? Um, And so I think that it, it shows up as less access, but at times it shows up as also people feeling like they have to make decisions on how do you stay true to yourself? How do you stand up and how do you speak up? Um, and, and will you be seen as, you know, in, in my case, it's always, will I be seen as the angry black woman, uh, mm-hmm. just for using my voice? Yeah. Um, 
So I definitely, I, I have definitely seen it. I've experienced it. I've witnessed um, colleagues and friends um, have to navigate um, those challenges. Um, and, and I can say that we, we've definitely made strides, but not, um, not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you see it even more so when you start to look at um, even just diversity and inclusion statistics that show that um, people of color um, may, there are larger, greater numbers of us who start out entry level but as you start to look at what that funnel looks like as you get more and more senior, um, we begin to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in one sense, you could say it's talent. But I think in another sense, a lot of it has to do with access and bias and all those things that play into um, what what makes people make decisions and, and who they engage with, who they promote, um, who they value, um, who they see as um, the type of people they want to be around. And mm-hmm. if you're not like everyone else, then it becomes difficult for you to get into the spaces that maybe you have the talent and ability um, to rock when you get there. Mm. Now, I mean, would you say that ageism is also maybe something else you've dealt with? Because, I mean, it, it certainly sounded like you did a little bit. So the ageism one is interesting on two fronts. One is that I look very young for my age. Mm. So um, people assume that I am, you know, probably 10 years younger than I am, which uh, is a great compliment outside of work. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but when you, when you have uh, 20 years of experience and people want to treat you like your entry level, yeah. um, then, then I, I, I feel it there. But mm-hmm. more interesting than that with the ageism piece, um, I would say that I have experienced more ageism uh, from women mm. uh, than from men. Um, actually, when I think about um, my career and my career trajectory, the times that I've been promoted and given the biggest opportunities actually came from white men. Wow. Um, and the times that I was bullied or held back um, or overlooked, um, it actually, it, it was at the hands of women. Mm. Um, so the, you know, my experience with what I would define as ageism, um, or, um, closely connect to ageism was actually, um, experiences, uh, from women who I think felt like, um, I needed to earn my stripes, um, mm. and, and I needed to put in the work, you know, they looked at where they were for my age or the age they assumed I was and uh, set expectations of where they were at that age and then mm. what I needed to do to get there. Mm. Well, and I feel like, too, maybe jealousy is coming into play a little bit, um, you know, and maybe just being maybe even fearful a little bit, too, of yeah. you know how far you've come at, you know, what they believe is such a young age. You know, I could, I could see that emotion coming into play too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a whole host of things that yeah. go into human behavior and decisions and, mm-hmm. um, and, and that is, that could definitely be uh, a part of it as well. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. funny that that follows up to the next point I wanted to go through was, you know, do you feel like there's an adequate amount of support from other women in the workplace? <laughs> um, or is that something that could use some improvement? <laughs> so going off of what we just talked about, maybe that's something that needs a little improvement. <laughs> you know, I think it definitely is something that it's both. Um, yeah. There is mm-hmm. a there's a growing sense of women sticking together. And there have been mm-hmm. some great articles. I read an article a few years ago about women who were in the Obama administration uh, and when they were in meetings, they kind of had a pact that they would, um, as uh, people mansplained what they said, 
Um, mm. They had a pact that they would um, reinforce what the other woman had mentioned. Um, and so it was a way of them playing off of each other's ideas to really elevate one another's voices in meetings. And mm. um, I think if um, for any, for many women who have um, been in particularly male dominated fields, I think you know what it's like to be in a meeting um, to suggest something, to hear crickets. And mm-hmm. then um, after that, a man suggested, and it is the most amazing idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I think that what happens even in that space and, and in the example I use is that we make uh, supporting women about women supporting women. And it, and it actually is just that women need support. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, for me, I've been very blessed that I've had men who have been extremely supportive. Um, and I've had, um, some women who have been supportive and some women who were not. Um, but I think that in the, um, it's not just in our particular work environments that we need that, you know, when I think about the women where I am today and the women who have helped me actually in most recent years, um, several of the people who've been instrumental in my growth um, are women who I met through forward. Mm. Um, my uh, mentor is one of the reasons why I'm in my executive MBA program mm, um, because wow. I was at the time applying for, um, I was considering getting my MBA and absolutely terrified of applying. And um, although I had all this great experience and I had several schools that were interested in me, I didn't feel like I had what it takes to mm. um, perform at the same level as everyone else. And it was uh, my mentor, Lynette, who had just finished her executive MBA um, and really coached me through the process and spoke um, vision into what I was able to do that helped me make it across the finish line of applying. And, you know, there's uh, another woman, Suzette, who I met um, through a four-word event who uh, is also a Kellogg alum, and we get together once a quarter Oh, wow. And just um, talk about everything that is going on and what I'm learning. And so mm. um, I've had, um, I would say, a community of professional women, um, maybe not all in my office, but uh, I have learned to handpick a sphere, of, you know, a board of directors of, um, of women and also men um, who will be honest with me, but also who can buy into the vision that I have for my life. Um, and help me get there. Mm. Um, and so I think that um, as much as it is important um, for women to have support, I think it's just as important for women to aggressively seek support. Um, mm-hmm. I think mean, one of the things that men are typically good at is uh, in the professional world is acknowledging what they need, asking for it, um, and going after it. Mm. Um, and I think that women have a tendency to work really hard to prove themselves and then wait for someone to um, acknowledge an offer. Mm. Um, and because we live in a, a professional world that is very much so constructed from a man's point of view, um, I think we have to really learn how to navigate asking and demanding for what we need versus waiting on it to be offered to us. Mm. So in your opinion, women need just support, like make that an umbrella statement. We don't need like yeah. a girl gang. <laughs> we just need support. <laughs> we we need, need, you know, and that could be a bunch of different people. Exactly. Cause the other thing about it is, you know, the, the concept of, um, mentorship and sponsorship. So, mm-hmm. um, it's important, I think for women to have women who support them. Um, and I've been extremely grateful for women who 
have coached me um, and helped me to navigate um, being a, 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 just being a professional, but then also being a woman in, in, um, in my sphere. Mm. But beyond that, I think, you know, there's still, when you move up in your career, a lot of those tables are, um, are mostly male. Mm-hmm. And so if your only support is women, then who is sponsoring you um, to get to those tables? Who's speaking on your behalf? Um, and, and I think that is important. That is the importance and value of having men, not just for the sponsorship aspect, but also, I mean, if you think about, and I think about Genesis and I think about how, um, you know, God told Adam that he needed um, a suitable helper, which mm-hmm. you know, essentially was him saying, I'm going to create a compliment that's equal to you. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like God was saying Adam had a job to fulfill, um, but he also needed his compliment to do that successfully. Mm-hmm. And so I think even in that scripture there, it, it outlines the value of both um, genders in, um, in accomplishing a task. Um, and, and I think that we can't swing the pendulum and say, well, um, you know, I'm going to have all female support when there's another half to that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the men in my life who have, um, been advisors and mentors and sponsors have really helped me to understand how to navigate, um, a world that they are able to more easily navigate because it is, um, in, a, in, in largely owned and operated by men, yeah. um, and so I think that's the importance of women having support, period, mm-hmm. um, versus women having support from women. And I think, too, um, you know, going back to the, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship, mentorship, it is an outside perspective a lot of the times, which you mm-hmm. need um, because, you know, you need somebody that's not in your circle and, you know, they can see things maybe that others around you are missing and mm-hmm. versus sponsorship. I feel like it, it does need to be somebody that you work with. Um, right. But again, you know, that can be either gender. Um, and, and I agree with what you said. A lot of the times having a more influential male, um, you know, be a sponsor for you may actually help you more, um, you know, than having another woman, which is a little yeah. sad, but, <laughs> but, but also understandable. Cause like you said, I mean, the business world was created by men, so they know it best and then therefore can help you <laughs> better. Um, <laughs> Well, and so I, I want to talk more about your MBA program. Um, yeah. You're in the middle of it. You're going you're mm-hmm. gonna to hopefully be done next year. Um, and, and like you said, your mentor uh, was a big part of why you were there. Um, again, yeah. if you want to have something like that, um, <laughs> be sure you apply. But um, so what, what besides that mentorship made you want to go after your MBA? You know, so I, um, I thought about going for an MBA for a long time, but I wasn't I felt like I needed it, but I didn't know why. And it was, yeah. it wasn't until, um, I really started to, um, actually when I started working at the Y, um, that was the first nonprofit role I had. Um, and it ignited something in me to really focus on what does inclusive growth look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my focus with the Y was, um, on youth development and, um, and my, my background and most of my, the work in my career has been around millennials and, and now also Gen Zs. But there was this switch that happened where um, I was, um, my interest was shifting from a marketing perspective into strategy mm-hmm. and really thinking about, you know, as we 
um, as we see this population boom that's happening globally, how do we set the next generation up for success? Um, and what I found was that um, I needed to be equipped to answer my own questions because the questions I was asking, no one else could really had um, the tools around me to answer for me. And so what I realized is that I was asking fundamental questions, but asking questions differently than we, than most people ask them. So for example, um, we have a tendency to ask, we see a problem and we ask, how can we solve that problem? Um, you know, we, we see kids who are hungry in the U.S. and we say, well, how do we um, feed them? Hmm. Which is a great question to ask. Um, but the questions I was asking is, well, why are they hungry in the first place? Mm-hmm. Why are there food deserts? Um, what has happened over um, the decades that have left entire communities devastated? Um, and, and what I realized is that I, I needed the tools, um, to investigate those questions more deeply and then start to work towards strategies, um, that would solve it. And, um, and I didn't have, a lot of those questions came from economic conditions and financial challenges and all these things that I didn't, I, I had a sense of, but I did not fully understand. Hmm. And so that was when I realized that if I'm going to make a shift, um, into more um, global strategy and really understanding what inclusive growth looks like um, and setting the next generation up for success and having the tools um, to help brands and startups and communities um, really uh, essentially what I did with brands before, which was help them develop strategies that position them in a new way. But how mm. did I do that from an economic standpoint? Mm. Um, I realized in order to do that, I needed, uh, I needed more resources than I had. And that was the drive, um, to then go to business school. So I think a big part of, I'll call it the source (laughs) of all the tough topic (laughs) issues. Um, so ageism, racism, inclusion, um, you know, everything that you just hear about in the news, I feel like every day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but all of these issues that are affecting women in the workplace, I feel like maybe they're dealing with at the core, not being valued. So, mm-hmm. I mean, is, would you agree? Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think at its core, it is, uh, it's not being valued, but I also think it's, um, I think it's not being valued on multiple fronts. I think okay. part of it is um, not having as much self value mm. um, and, and really, um, really demanding and, and owning our place. I think that that is growing. Um, and we definitely see more and more of that. Uh, but a perfect example of that is um, I have found over the years when I'm in meetings, um, I hear more from women than men, a phrase that drives me crazy. And it is, I just want to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or uh, uh, I'm sorry, but. Yes. And what it does is it disqualifies what you're saying before you say it. Mm. Um, as women, we have a tendency to apologize um, for speaking up or for right. speaking. Right. Um, yeah. And 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 I think that is us not fully owning the value that we bring um, in a situation. I think it goes back to the whole Adam and Eve, like Eve, God created Eve to add a significant value because mm. he felt that Adam could not 
accomplish the goal of dominion and subduing the earth without having a suitable helper. Um, so Eve wasn't just an accessory. She was a necessity mm-hmm. um, yeah. to accomplishing the goal. And so I think um, we first have to see ourselves in that in that role. Um, and then I think, yes, a big part of it is um, how we are then um, seen as a valuable asset um, within the workplace. Um, and, and I think that is the more challenging one, but I think if we can begin to own that we deserve a place there, um, and when we're there, not apologize for being there, um, and, and, and also supporting one another, um, in our unapologetic, um, goals and attempts to really own our spaces and voices, then I think we at least make strides. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting because we talk about that in the workplace, but I would say that that is also a challenge um, within churches. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that starts, I was going to ask you about that. So I feel like this <laughs> whole idea of not being valued, uh, it does, it, it has carried over into mm-hmm. the church. Um, so it sounds like maybe you've experienced this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have experienced and witnessed it. So this is what I will say is that, you know, this, um, this duality of being uh, or, you know, being bivocational or the different ways that we're calling it these days mm-hmm. of um, being a professional and the, and um, or a disciple who's called into the professional world, mm-hmm. um, particularly when you are a woman can um, can start to create tension. Um, I think for me, the tension I've experienced is that I have with all of the challenges that I've faced in the workplace, I've obviously had opportunities to work on large brands and lead um, amazing campaigns and and rebrands and strategies and all the work that I've done. Um, I have um, had the ear of the CEO in many of the roles that I've uh, held and have worked with senior leadership. Um, And so I would say that the, you know, the the particular tension that I feel is um, there are times where uh, I may, um, work on a project where um, the CEO seeks my advice and perspective before moving forward on global decisions or national decisions. And yet um, in church, um, that same uh, value to uh, the insight that I have isn't necessarily there because uh, I'm a woman or an unmarried woman. Mm. Um, And I would say, you know, it's not just, uh, my church. I would say that I have found women all over the world. Um, I have friends all over uh, from various denominations who said the same thing. So I've seen women and I've sat and cried with women who came up with brilliant ideas um, and presented it. And they were told that their ideas were amazing. And now they just needed to find them. The, the church needed to find a man to lead it. Um, I have uh, had um, women uh come to me and talk to me about um, you know, wanting to serve or being asked to serve on their church board and um, but serve in a role of more of a secretary, even though mm-hmm. they uh, maybe have a finance background and the head of the finance committee has no budgetary experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what happens is that um, what can happen in church, particularly for working women, is that you start to feel like the world, the secular world, values um, what you bring to the table um, and the gifts that God has given you more than the church does. 
Mm. Um, and, and I think for me, for a period in time, what it did is it made me question, do I have a place here? Um, and why would God give me all these gifts and talents and visions um, and then make me a woman so I can't use it uh, for his kingdom? And um, and what I came through a lot of prayer um, and nights of crying and journaling and working through it is realizing um, that the, the church is made up of people <laughs> yeah. um, and people are imperfect. Um, and throughout history, there have been things. Um, and I think that right now, as as women start to own their place and their voice, um, the disconnect that we feel is in what does that look like in the fellowship? Um, so my desire and prayer is that we get to a place where um, women can take on roles that maybe look more like what Deborah had um, as uh, as a judge and a prophet and. Um, and that doesn't feel weird, um, because that's a gift that God has given them. Why do you think that this issue exists? I mean, what has happened or not happened maybe to make it that the church is just so, I feel like stuck They're They're mm -hmm. way back on the timeline of where the, the world has come. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I ask myself that question a lot because when yeah. I think about it, I can say, well, they are stuck in an old way of doing things, but how old? Because when yeah. I look at the first century, um, you know, when I look at the Old Testament, uh, there were women who, um, very few women, but women who had amazing feats and, and the, the work that, I mean, if you think about Esther and what she mm -hmm. did, she yeah. saved an entire nation. Right. Um, again, when you think about Deborah, Deborah was married, but her um, the focus was not on her being married. The focus is on the fact that she uh, was the governor um, and advisor for the entire uh, region. Um, and then even when you look at the Old Testament, um, you know, Jesus and uh, and interacting with women, um, he didn't marginalize them. He he saw them. Um, and so you know, the people who connected with him the most were the people who were marginalized, whether they were sick or women or orphans. Um, they weren't the men in power. Um, and so we can't say that we're stuck in an old way of doing things because that wasn't the way. Right. Um, yeah. So somewhere along the way, um, we, um, we started to conform to I think the world around us, mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, similar, I would say similar to the Pharisees, it can be difficult to challenge what has become, yeah. um, our cultural trend. And, and there are certain regions, um, in the world where, um, culturally things operate differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I would, I would even call out that, you know, the ceremonial washing of hands was also, um, a tradition, but not a mandatory tradition. So I think yeah. as a church, we have to be willing to evaluate where are we um, holding people back from truly uh, using the talents and the calling and the gifts that God has given them. Um, and, and what about our culture is calling us to do that. Mm. So as you've dealt with these tough situations at work as you've dealt with this kind of engenderment of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how have you spoken up about things, you know, while still maintaining, you know, one, the power of your voice, mm 
uh, you know, not getting lost and, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, let me say something, yeah. you know, and, and then, but also, you, you know, you want to still have that invitation mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. able to talk in the future. So how, how have you navigated that? And I guess what, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe dealing with something like this right now? Well, I think the, the first step, um, uh, navigating, I mean, there are times where I think I'm doing it gracefully. And then there are times where I feel like I'm Bambi learning to walk. So <laughs> I can't say that I have mastered it, but, um, I would say that for me, it's been, um, a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. um, and humbly going before God and asking for the wisdom to know, um, is it me? Am I, um, is this my frustration that I need to work through? Or is this a burden that has been given to me to speak up about? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's for everyone that will be different, but I think it's in, you know, I've had to learn to really ask that question and I've had to learn um, even my own body. And when I feel certain ways um, to really think about what, like, why do I have this knot in my stomach mm. as this, as this concept is being presented? What is it about this concept, this campaign that doesn't feel right? Um, but I think at the, at, at the core of it, I've had to ask myself if I don't, say something. What do I gain? But what do I lose? Um, and if, um, and if at the end of that, I feel like, um, I am going to look back and not be proud of myself. Um, then I have to, then I, then I make a decision that this is something that's important for me to speak up about, whether that is in church, um, or whether that's in the professional world. And I think with all of that, um, I think what I found, the reasons that people don't speak up is out of fear, um, which I definitely have, um, is, uh, you know, fear of being rejected, fear of being thought of as crazy, fear of being seen as the angry black woman or the, uh, you know, the frustrated single person in church, um, you know, all of those things. Um, but, but what I have to go back to, and this is where prayer is important, is um, will I allow fear to master me and keep me from um, being the woman that I'm called to be? Mm-hmm. And so I guess that would be my advice to uh, anyone who is working through this and trying to figure out how do they negotiate um, owning their voice and having tough conversations um, is really thinking about who are you? What is your identity? Um, and um, at the end of that, um, what do you want people um, to say about you? Um, I, I am at a place in my life where um, people will say uh, that I am strong-willed, and I often uh, say things that others are afraid to say. And at times, um, I say things that are disruptive, um, not, in a, not in a bad way, but it really challenges our thinking. Um, and at times, I completely annoy <laughs> Um, uh, the people around me with the, the challenges and questions I pose. But mm-hmm. what they will say is that I have a, uh, a high level of integrity um, and I am willing to step out of myself um, and, and I don't have agendas that just advance me, but I'm constantly thinking about um, the interplay of decisions and how it impacts at a larger scale. Um, and so that's the reputation that I want to have and maintain, then I find that I have a responsibility, um, to run everything through the filter of God. How do I, how do I be that person that you've called me to be? Um, 
and is speaking up or saying nothing the time um, to live up to that identity that you've given me. So as we wrap up, um, you know, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Oh, um, you know, as we talk about um, tough, uh, tough conversations and you know the challenging things that are happening in our culture, um, I think the biggest thing to hold on to, which I've had to learn over the last um, couple of years, is um, that times are difficult. Um, there are a lot of conversations that can be draining and exhausting um, and um, just difficult. Um, what I um, what I have had to advise uh, myself on <laughs> often and, and so um, and I share with others is um, even with all of the challenging things happening around us, if you don't have a hope in something greater than you, so if I can't put my hope and trust in Jesus, then every difficult conversation and every difficult cultural situation that's happening will begin to eat me alive. Mm. Um, and so I, I have learned to really embrace the idea of a Sabbath mm. and unplugging and journaling um, and really centering myself around the word of God and centering myself around who God has called me to be so that I don't get lost, um, in navigating, um, all of, um, what is happening around us in the world. We're glad you've joined us for this conversation about the tough topics and issues women in the workplace face every day and how we can face them in a Christ-like manner. If you've enjoyed the Work, Love, Pray podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please consider taking a moment to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Your support is much appreciated and your review will help Work, Love, Pray um, be placed in front of other forward women and men who might like to join our podcast family. For more information about this episode, please visit our website, forwardwomen.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org. And then click on podcast at the top of the page. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.